Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Eviction ban Dáil vote Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald joins me here in studio shortly as the Dáil this week prepares to debate a Sinn Féin motion on extending the eviction ban. We'll have reaction from Fine Gael and the Social Democrats later on in the show. And what next uh, for banking following the Credit Suisse rescue? We have all the tools that will be needed, that are needed eventually, in order to address financial stability uh, tensions. As always, join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Government party leaders are still meeting tonight to discuss their response to a Sinn Féin motion, which will be debated in the Dáil tomorrow evening and seeks to extend the eviction ban. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, Thonis the Micheál Martin and Green Party leader Eamon Ryan are due to sign off on a counter motion, which will be put to a vote on Wednesday night. Well, here in studio now, I'm joined by the Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. You're very welcome to the programme, uh, Mary Lou MacDonald. Thank you, Claire. As uh, we said there at the start of the programme, this is scheduled for debate tomorrow ahead of Wednesday's uh, motion calling for the eviction ban to be extended until January of 2024. This is all about piling pressure on the government, isn't it, really? Because it is non-binding. Well, of course it is. Uh, I mean, we have a situation where the government is quite prepared to end the eviction ban, having failed to make provision to create space or mitigation for the thousands of families, working families, families with children, single people, pensioners too, uh, who will find themselves in receipt of eviction notices facing homelessness. The government is doing this and has failed repeatedly to answer a very simple question, and it's this, where do these people go? And on that question, the government has drawn a blank. So, of course, we will apply maximum pressure because we believe that this is the wrong decision. I, I cannot fathom that any government with their eyes wide open would take a decision that they know will spell catastrophe for thousands of people. And we want them, frankly, to reverse that decision. Well, what we do know is they're all still meeting tonight, the three coalition leaders, and they're not going to change their position. They're not going to do a U-turn on this decision. So what's going to be gained from this vote and, and this discussion this week in the Dáil? You see, to, to lift the eviction ban, the, the government itself does not have to bring a proposal to the Dáil. Uh, so therefore, we in opposition, anybody, I think, with any sense of decency 
or fair play or rationality. But look at this situation and say, we've record homelessness. We're in the grip of a housing crisis and we have been for many, many years. 750,000 people, Claire, live in the private rental sector in Ireland. All of them, therefore, lose a protection that was very, very valuable. And we know because the RTB gave us the figures for the last quarter of last year that almost 5,000 uh, eviction notices came into play then. That will accelerate. All of the experts, everybody tells us that this will be disastrous for countless numbers of families. And we could not let that go. We should not let that go. And by the way, nobody on the back benches should blindly follow a government that clearly has lost its way, that clearly has lost any sense of, of, of priority, that clearly, in my view, has lost any sense of decency or fairness for working families when they are quite prepared to allow families okay. into this deplorable situation. Um, we, we've seen NASA Hurricane from the Greens has taken that stance. Have you got a message for others? Have you got a message specifically? You mentioned backbenchers there. Yeah. Do you think backbenchers are going to come I, out I, and support you know Sinn Féin in this? Do you believe I that's going believe, to happen? I don't believe anybody really in their heart of heart thinks that this is the right thing to do. And just to be clear... The eviction ban that we're talking about, of course, by definition, has to be time bound. We're not looking for a forever eviction ban. Nobody asked for that. Furthermore, it's a no-fault eviction ban, so it's not designed to shelter people who are just not paying their rent or who are wrecking the place and acting in an antisocial manner. Let me also say this. I accept and recognise landlords haven't created this crisis. I mean, I really get that, and I think it needs to be acknowledged. But where we are now... At a time of record homelessness, at a time where government has comprehensively failed again and again and again to provide supply and capacity, we now need to buy more time. And by the way, having bought that time, the government right. needs to get its act together and it needs to put real purpose okay. and pace into its response. OK, when you say buying time, um, does Sinn Féin need to buy time as well to come up with what it would do in the no. circumstances? If you're saying... OK, scrap the eviction um, ban mm -hmm. by January of next year. Yes. What would you have in place if you were in government So, I, I mean, here's the, the most frustrating part of all of this is uh, last October and again a number of weeks ago, Owen O'Brien wrote to Dara O'Brien setting out in great detail what needs to happen. What needs to happen, firstly, is the capacity of local authorities to buy houses with tenants in them when, when they come, come up for sale. There needs to be a clear instruction given right across the board that the council is to be proactive and is to scale up that mm. effort. We've only had over 300 of those purchases since the beginning of last year. I mean, it's lamentable. It's a joke. OK, we are going we to get a government response. And what we are hearing, even though they are still in that meeting tonight, that it will likely focus on the purchase of more homes by local authorities and housing yeah. bodies where people are okay. facing evictions. Exactly what you're okay. saying. So that's that they good. intend yeah. to ramp that up. So but is that see, something that well, you the would road, okay, agree Claire, with then? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. That should have happened six months ago. We should have had a sense of, per uh, of urgency and scale months and months ago. They say now that they are coming to that. That is no good to the man, the woman, the family, the pensioner who has an eviction notice served on them. There's no point in, in saying to those families, it'll be all right in a year's time or two years' time. These families need assurance and a sense of security. 
and a proper compassionate government response today, not in six okay. months' So time. if we do hear that this week, because we are likely to get something along those lines that they are going to try to offer that security that to people who are facing eviction. We will certainly hear that in tone okay, from and the government this And week. haven't we heard that before? What you we need you, to you see... You don't believe they're going to but, follow through well, on that? Well, listen, I, I, sadly, uh, very sadly, I have this long time given up any confidence that I might have had in anyone in this government really responding to this housing crisis. So what we need to see now, not hear, we need to see evidence of scale and pace for local authorities... Uh, acquiring homes uh, that uh, tenants live in, uh, approved housing bodies, and that has to capture more than just people who would qualify for social housing. It has to be a much wider cohort. We need to see a proper scheme, and we need to cut through a lot of the red tape and the nonsense and the bureaucracy around acquisition, for instance, of vacant premises or uh, derelict uh, premises. Would you believe the system asks people who would, or local authorities who would wish to uh, acquire these premises to go not just once, but to go twice looking for funding. It's ridiculous. We need an emergency response, and that right. means that we have to streamline our approach. We need the proper scale. We need the proper targets. And above all else, we need efficiency and we need pace. And in the meantime, tenants have to have the protection of the eviction ban. We are hearing that rural TDs haven't, you know, the independent group of TDs haven't necessarily made up their mind on what way they're going to go on this. And we're hearing that uh, Dennis Nocton is talking to the housing minister, Dara O'Brien, with a list of demands on housing that will get them over the line to support the government. Um, if, if, you, or if you reached out at all to the rural independents in this, what is seen as probably a critical vote it is um, a criti in where we are in the middle of a housing crisis? It is. It's an absolutely critical uh, vote for the reasons that I have set out. And, of course, every member of the Dáil, uh, particularly those of us on the opposition benches, need to be going to government, keeping pressure on them, making proposals to them, keeping their feet to the fire. What about Sinn Féin me... reaching out to the rural but, but independents say, here? But let me say this... Uh, we've reached out to everybody. We're, we're encouraging everybody to support this motion. But irrespective... And what have they said to you? But irrespective of what shopping list you go to government with now, all of that is for things that you would hope would be delivered in the future. I'm talking about the immediacy of the here and now. Because for families who are faced with this catastrophe, it's now. It's not in six months' time or a year. These families are worried and stressed and distressed now. And uh, I would just appeal to the rural independents, to all others, uh, whatever your, your, your views on any other subject, for goodness sake, we can't stand over this as an Oireachtas. We can't stand over this. It's wrong. It's, it's right. cruel. And uh, the government have not had their ducks in a row. They have not made the kind of provision that was necessary if and they were intent on ending the eviction ban. So, That's actually the truth. So we know that Green Party TD, TD Nasa Harrigan has kind of set the ball rolling now and said, look, she's going to take a stand um, against government, break ranks there. Uh, would you welcome Nasa to your ranks? Well, I don't think there's any question of, of Nasa indicating a, a desire to go to anybody's ranks. Nessa and I share a constituency and uh, she knows as surely as I do that the ending of this eviction ban will spell disastrous disaster for many, many uh, people. So I would ask others to be as clear-sighted and as honest as I think NASA has been on this matter. Um, and I think this is something 
on a cross-party basis, surely to God it, we can agree that we will protect families uh, and working people from eviction. Surely to goodness we can agree on that, that in NASA, the teeth of a housing Do you believe that emergency. NASA reflects more of the green thinking maybe than, than we are hearing from the Greens in government well, right look, now? Look, I, I can't, I can't, I, I'm not a member of the Green Party, so I'm not privy to their innermost thoughts. What I can say is this, I have spoken to a lot of people now over the last number uh, of weeks on the matter of this eviction, people from all walks of life, mm -hmm. and I have not met people who have said to me, this is a great idea. Even people who, who aren't keen on eviction bans recognise that in an emergency situation and where the government has failed to make provision, at a minimum, more time needs to be brought. And yet we keep hearing um, the fear coming from government that, you know, landlords ex exiting the market. And we are seeing landlords exiting the market at a time when, as you say, 750,000 people are in private rentals in, in this country. So whether we like it or not, we're hugely reliant on the private Claire, landlord market yeah. here. How would Sinn Féin plan to keep more of those houses on stream for rent? But Claire, this exit has been going on for the last six years. Mm. I mean, the data shows this has been the case since 2017. And the main reason, and research tells us, the main reason why landlords are exiting is because they're out of negative equity their property values have spiked and they're cashing in. A lot of people, this was their pension plan. So they're, they're cashing in for pension purposes. Do you purposes. believe there should be incentives for new landlords, well, let me say, let me say, let me say when, when, when right those now. landlords cash in, here's what should happen. Um, a local authority or an approved housing body should be in very quickly, not in some endless process, but very quickly to give the market price for that property to that landlord and keep us within the stock. On the issue of tax incentives, the case has not been made for that. I mean, actually, the tax taxation burden on landlords has dropped over the last, last 10 years, Claire. It hasn't increased. Mortgage interest relief, for example, is given at 100% to landlords. Other people don't uh, enjoy that. And all of the expert analysis has demonstrated that even with tax breaks, you are still going to see those landlords who wish now to cash in, generally for pension purposes, that they will do that. So the state needs to intervene at that point and efficiently and reasonably with landlords give them market value for that house. OK, and pending the result of this, say the government do get it over the line with their response, with their counter motion to this, do you go then for a vote of no confidence? Where do you plan on bringing this on? Well, uh, we have uh, until the end of this month to continue pressing this case and, and that is what we will do. We will not let this go. And, you know, I saw some of the commentary some amongst the commentaries describe, you know, this, uh, this day back as kind of like bickering, political bickering. It's nothing of the sort. This is absolutely fundamental and we would not be doing our jobs as elected representatives if we did not argue this to the very last minute with government. And I only hope that reason can apply and that decency can, can apply in this. Just a question on this. You have put that date of January 2024. Are you saying Sinn Féin would not deviate from that? That's, that's the extension. That's, that's initially what the government decided to do. They said, we're going to have this eviction ban in place. We're going to have it in place till March of 2023. Yeah. And what they're doing is lifting it at the point yeah, that they, exactly. they said they but would. But here's the distinction. Here's the critical distinction. For us, the extension of the eviction ban, and indeed the initial, the original eviction ban, 
was to create space and time to do all of the things that I have described to you in terms of capacity, in terms of pace. But government failed to do that. You know, for a government that says, and they ask us to believe them, that they see a housing crisis, that they see a housing emergency, I hear that rhetoric, but I see no evidence, no evidence whatsoever of the kind of response and scale that's necessary to deal with this emergency. So I can only conclude that it's a lot of lip service and very little action. And the net result at the end of the day is families now worried that they will lose the roof over their heads. That's unacceptable and, and Mary to me. Lou, on the criticism that we continually hear um, about Sinn Féin, that we heard again um, from Fine Gael at the weekend and Junior Minister uh, Peter Burke saying your party have objected to or voted against thousands of homes in Dublin alone in the last five years and you personally have objected to some 2,000 homes in your constituency. What would you say to that? Because that criticism well, is consistently levelled at well, Sinn Féin let me, let whenever me, this discussion well, I know it is, and it's it, housing it, demand comes well, up. Well, indeed, and they are masters in the art of the, the politics of distraction. Uh, let me tell you what I have objected to in my own constituency. I object to schemes that are built to rent where rents for a three-bedroom apartment in my constituency in a regular blue-collar uh, area are €3,000 a month. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with those same developments um, that nobody that in, in our, our communities or no uh, working person on a regular wage will ever, ever be able to afford to rent and will have no opportunity to buy. I have a problem with that because I believe that we can create a, a housing stock that is actually affordable to people, that is accessible and sustainable for people. But government have taken the lazy route every single time. They have opted out of affordability um, and they have, they have not carried their load as the state in putting public housing mm. on public land, they simply refuse to do that so, at scale. So this argument that we hear that housing policy should consist of a mix of housing yes, types, absolutely. that some housing types, maybe shared living in some cases, would suit some people on a temporary basis and that would free up more suitable accommodation elsewhere for yeah, families. But, but what, what about that no, argument? No, no, of, of, of course you need a mix. Of course you need a mix and you need student accommodation and you need accommodation for young professionals and young families and then older. Of course we get that. And you need a mix in terms of public provision and the private sector developing. Of course you need all of that. But what we are dealing with is the result of the state completely washing its hands of its responsibility for social housing, but not just social housing, also the provision of genuinely affordable housing for working people. So the state has not carried its load. It has been happy to sit back and rely entirely on the private market. And we have seen how catastrophically well, that they has do, failed. They do, they, uh, the government does point, and Tara Brown points to the building of cost rental homes under schemes. And, like and listen, it's, it's and lamentably low, lamentably lacking in ambition, and they don't even meet their own targets, and their own targets aren't sufficient, okay. as we've seen. Um, I want to uh, move on to comments that you made in recent days that your party was sloppy with its financial returns to the Standards and Public Office Commission. Is it difficult? as a party leader, to admit sloppiness? No, it's difficult when it happens. It's, it's very annoying. <laughs> and, I mean, I've had a conversation, we have had a conversation uh, internally um, in relation to all of that. SIPO is the regulating body. Um, we are all bound by it. Sinn Féin is and must be a compliant party. So where there are errors, 
and errors were found, they were corrected. That will always be the case. And we will always work well, with SIPO yeah. to make sure that our, our numbers are right. I'm interested that right. you say you find it annoying. So what, what form does that conversation take within the party? Do you take... Do you take ownership and responsibility of that personally as a leader? I'm, I am the leader. Ultimately, Claire, this is how this works. So the book stops with you. Of course the book stops with me. I'm the leader of the party. So you annoyed it yourself. And I am, I am, I am absolutely determined that any of the, the errors that happened in the past... And look, there were errors around uh, expenses that were paid but not uh, reported. There was nothing underhand or untoward. Yeah, it's it was not, simple sloppiness. The question is, isn't this damaging for public confidence in the political system to see the opposition at it as well. But, I mean, at Isn't what? It? I mean, at what? There was, there was a controversy around the finance minister for not declaring a corporate donation. That's one thing. That should not have happened. In, inaccuracies or sloppiness in recording expenses that you have paid from your party resources shouldn't happen either. But they're not the same thing. I think to have full public confidence, we need to ensure that SIPA has the resources, okay. the teeth and the power to oversee. There. And you are saying, you know, it's sloppy. You're saying you were annoyed at that. Say, for example, the declaration, I think you declared spending of over €300,000 on the election in 2016, but returns to SIPO were, were much lower than that. There were €76,000. When things like that happen, well, and there are, there, there, there's, just, listen, there's irregularities there's, in the numbers there, well, isn't it difficult no, for you then to call out no, government, to call out Well, no, it, it's the job of SIPO where there is a genuine concern to intervene and to, to bring whichever political party to book. But it, things have been conflated and confused. Uh, electoral returns and annual accounts measure and report different things. And I can tell you, all of our uh, numbers are in order. All of our money is accounted for. Um, and that is exactly as it should be. That is as it has to so be the for every single been, political the, party. the unpaid venue bills and all of that thing, well, that's look, all been I mean, sorted that, out now. That, that's what I mean when I say stop news. I mean, for goodness sake, it was a press conference. It was hardly some secret <laughs> event these were these were press events. Well, I suppose the point and is it, the point is that the government and Pascal Donahue got such a drubbing over the the issue around uh, a corporate elect, donation. Uh, yeah, but, a corporate donation. But we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about huge sums here as well, Mary Lou Macdonald, within your own party. Well, well no, Claire, we're, well, well, no, we're not Claire, and there is no SIPO investigation into Sinn Fein. There are no SIPO investigations into Sinn Fein, just for the purpose. But there has of been it. a complaint just, made. Yes, to, to SIPO. Well, that's a very different thing. A concerned Fine Gael activist has written to SIPO. SIPO has written to us. We have written back to SIPO. That's not a SIPO investigation. And furthermore, uh, a corporate donation from a very wealthy individual, I'm sure a very good uh, individual, but who, who nonetheless was in receipt of state contracts, was appointed to state boards, including the Land Development Agency, not declaring a corporate donation from a source like that is not the same as messing up at the reporting of your expense for the hosting of a press conference. I am sorry, they are not the same thing. All right, so um, you're saying sloppiness and annoying, but a, a different, absolutely. A different thing look, as far as you're I'm not, I'm not trying to. I have said we've had the conversation internally, and I'm absolutely determined that that kind of sloppiness will not occur again. And, and I, I am, it is my job as the party leader. These are historic lookbacks at these accounts to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Uh, we're hearing reported tonight that a task force to tackle abuse and harassment against um, 
female politicians has been given the green light by Ken Corla. Um, given how much this is now in the spotlight now, uh, Mary Lou, have you yourself been the target of threats or abuse recently? Well, I mean, in the, in the course of my political career, yes, uh, I have. Um, and I, I always feel in discussing an issue uh, like this, first of all, that anybody in public life, uh, your first concern has to be to actually protect your public safety, mm. your, your own personal safety. Um, and I suppose to speak about these experiences too, you have to balance these things, uh, but also not to put others off coming into public life. Because as awful as the experiences are, they are the minority. They are the rare, rare exception and not the rule and not the general experience of anyone in public life or any woman in public life. And in fact, some of the worst cases that I have seen of harassment and threat were actually visited on some of my male colleagues, mm. one of whom exited public life as a result of very serious, very sustained harassment. Who's that, that happened to a man, Jonathan O'Brien, a former uh, TD. Sure, and that Diane case Cork. was... Um, I do remember that. That I case recall was that uh, recently. publicly recalled. So um, I make the point that it, it's more difficult for women, it's more commonly experienced, by, but it can happen to men as mm. well. It shouldn't happen to anybody, but it is... The exception. It is not. The have you? Rule you you and just said. You just said um, uh, that you have to strike the balance, I suppose, between watching your own, uh, your own safety and safety. your own personal responsibility or your own personal safety when you answer questions like that. Have you had to step up your own security of late? Um, no. Well, well, I, I, my, I, I'm very conscious of my personal uh, security. So no, but I'm also conscious of the need to move around and meet people. And I, I, I will not allow that to be compromised by anything. We represent the people who are of the community. I have to say, I feel very safe. I feel very comfortable um, out and about uh, about my business. And on the occasion where you have a, a, an unpleasant experience like that, the, the most important people in the equation are actually on guard the Shia <laughs> They're They're charged to keep all of this safe. Um Because we have seen how anti-migrant protests have used placards with your image and then that's been you know plastered with negative slogans does that concern you not in the least are you worried at all not when you see least. that i am not at all worried and uh, i can tell you um i have in 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 the way i uh, conduct my political life i lead um with integrity i lead with honesty i take positions on matter positions of principle i'm i'm committed to equality mm. and fairness and if that doesn't sit well with some uh, that's a matter for themselves. So I, I will never... And by the way, I'm quite comfortable with people criticising or taking a different position from me. That's the nature of an open But when it gets personal, decide. say, at these anti-migrant protests, um, does, that, does that concern you for your own safety? No. You, you, you had threats issued against you, I think, back in, in 2020 um, from far-right groups that I think you reported to Garthi back then. Um, is that something no. that you've experienced now? Well, look, I'm, I'm not concerned for this reason and uh, we would be foolish. I, I know that a very small, nasty minority can cause difficulties, but my concern would be for innocent men and women who come to this country, that, that they might come to some harm. I genuinely don't feel any sense of foreboding or threat to myself. I'm a public figure. I'm a political leader. My job is to lead to set out the stall, to influence society and people and communities for the better. I will always do that without fear or favour. 
those who don't like that, for those that it plays negatively with, you're entitled but, to the review. Um, I, I won't be threatened or, or deterred by people like that. But you welcome a task force that, I think that will the task look at, force, at, at no, tackling I think the task for, harassment Facebook. I think the task force is a good uh, initiative. Um, we'll certainly participate fully and I commend the Cowan Quarter for taking the initiative. But we just need to strike the balance right in recognising that we're talking about women, but it can affect men as well. But also, public life is great. Public service is great. And it's a great space for women. A uh, great space for women. I wouldn't like anybody to be put off um, simply by a, a, a nasty minority who only very, very occasionally cause difficulties, unpleasant difficulties for people. OK, I, I just want to ask you about the, the ongoing stalemate in Northern politics and what, what's happened now, the DUP, to vote against this key part of the um, British government uh, deal with the EU on trade rules. Where do you see it standing now? Are we going to make any headway at all, um, especially as we've got the upcoming visit now from uh, President the US Biden. President yeah. and um, we've also got the 25-year anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement and that sense that, or that question, Will we see power sharing restored in the North? Well, well, we have to. And I, I mean, I'm very conscious that the eyes of the world are on Ireland, on the north of Ireland in particular, at the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Um, progress has been made. The negotiations now between the British government and Europe are over. The deal is struck. The deal is done. And the question now is about getting back to government, getting the executive and the assembly up and running and I really, really hope that uh, as we celebrate 25 years, a quarter of a century of the peace process, that we will have those institutions up and running and we will have Michelle O'Neill as First Minister for all. And I believe that's possible. I am optimistic on uh, that front. Optimistic. Well, on that note, we'll leave it there. Mary Lou MacDonald, thank you for joining us in studio tonight. Um, now, coming up after the break, we hear from Fine Gael and the Social Democrats. Do you stay with us? Welcome back. Well, for Reaction Edge, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Donald Social Democrat TD Keen O'Callaghan joins me, as does columnist with the Irish Examiner Alison O'Connor and Fine Gael TD Alan Farrell um, are all here in studio. Very welcome along to the programme tonight. We had Mary Lou MacDonald in studio earlier, Alison, and she was setting out her stall for this uh, motion that Sinn Féin are bringing before the doll this week. We know a counter motion is also being worked on uh, tonight. I think that meeting has broken up of the coalition leaders. Uh, and we're hearing it was a good meeting, uh, but they're really on the ropes here. They have a lot to kind of discuss and bring to the party, don't they? Yeah, the meeting only concluded uh, relatively recently. Uh, we don't have the wording of the counter motion yet. They said they were still going to be working on that uh, up to the cabinet meeting. Um, and it, the sense, it, certainly the sense coming out is that there's, you know, the government is go going ahead with this. They're saying they're going to continue to work Mm -hmm. uh, with the, the measures that they're going to introduce to try and uh, assist uh, tenants and to help prevent homelessness. And obviously they're looking at um, uh, things for landlords as well in the, in the next budget. But without doubt, the government is on the ropes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you saw that, I suppose, with every note that Mary Lou MacDonald hit there, your interview with her earlier. Sinn Féin is sensing blood. Um, we've seen it over the last few weeks. The government is, this is an issue that has, I mean, homelessness is always an issue. The eviction ban as an issue has just run and run in terms of, and there are so many, what we would call journalistically human interest stories. There are so many people that uh, can be featured in the media showing exactly what it means for people who will be, who will be made homeless. Um, so from that point of view, it is, uh, it's a nightmare. I heard an interesting thing earlier today that, Sinn Féin, I don't know how widespread this is, but somebody who told me was saying that it was fairly, uh, really putting it up to the government uh, last week in terms of local contacting local radio stations and saying, here's my TD in, in, here's our TD in this constituency. They will happily debate whoever the other TDs in that constituency were on the government TDs on local radio, name the time and the place. So really piling on the pressure. Uh, it's true to say, Alan Farrell, that the government is under a huge amount of pressure. Its support is on a knife edge tonight. Is there supreme confidence you'll win this vote? Well, firstly, I don't believe for a moment that the government is on a knife, a knife edge. Um, Do in you fact, not? No, not, not, not in the slightest. Because not the sub, the not subject, with um, Nasa Harrigan making that decision, the taking that stand? The subject matter of the dull motion is irrelevant in the concept of the fact that dull motions have no policy or legislative effect. OK. But, how, many, but, but how, many, how, many, how many times but, did the government lose motions in the last doll, in the 32nd doll, the minority government, it's in excess of 30 occasions. So no big deal it, it is took what about, you're saying. It took, no, not at all, but I'm saying it took about nine months for uh, journalists to realise that actually this isn't as big a deal as is being portrayed. Do you not think it's a big deal and what we are itself. hearing? Just, just on the issue. So that's of the on the subject matter. Now, on the subject matter, obviously, it's a very important issue for us to debate, uh, but the government has made its decision. It made its decision six months ago when it introduced this um, this moratorium on evictions. And what is important now is that we put in place uh, additional measures to support anybody, the small portion of people who might be subject to uh, a termination notice, who might end up requiring uh, either homeless services or indeed social housing. So it, it sounds to me like you're playing this down very much tonight, even on the impact no, that the eviction as ban I said will at the have start, when you talk about a small number of people. As I said, the subject matter of a doll motion isn't relevant to the context of what a doll motion is. It is a two-hour 
weekly press release yeah. with words. That's all it is. Yeah, we know that, but on the greater issue... But, uh, sorry. The greater Claire, issue, the I government Claire, doesn't... Claire, Claire, I'm sorry. Can I just Claire, ask I'm you, sorry. on the greater the issue, Alan Farrell, doesn't know. the government... The public doesn't know what it is. In fact, they're being told wall-to-wall -to -wall that it is, in fact, something that it isn't. Claire, even today, that, even this uh, evening um, on social Alan media, mentioned, Alan mentioned the opposition journalists... are saying the yeah. decision will be made to undo the government's decision yeah. on Wednesday. Alan mentioned that journal the journalists realised, you know, in the last... No, I said the journalists realised that what the opposition were saying no, but is not to, as to, meritous as perhaps yeah. it, they were this, letting on. Make no mistake, this is the biggest issue facing the government. They have serious credibility issues. Owner Bryn was talking about Sinn Féin's Owner Bryn possibility of another motion shortly. Labour's talking about uh, uh, confidence in the government motion at the end of the month. It is all very attritional. And you only have to look at what's happening with the independence, we don't know what Patrick Costello, the second Green Party TD, is going to is going to do. This one might be fine, you know. You you move on, but in the overall scheme of things, it's causing damage. Um, and Keno Callaghan as well. We're hearing that the Labour Party are looking at a motion of no confidence in the government. Is that something that you will be supporting? Should they put put that forward uh, after this particular um, motion this week? Yeah, well, I, I mean, the government are really making a hames of everything around housing. I think we can see that. They don't seem to know where they're going, what they're doing. They were briefing up until the moment where they decided not to extend the eviction ban. It did appear that they were briefing that they were going to extend it. They were then making up policy on the hoof. So I don't think any of us can have confidence in what they're doing on housing. I don't accept what was said, that this will only affect a small number of people. Uh, the statistics from the Residential Tenancies Board show that thousands of people uh, are facing uh, eviction in the private rent sector. That number uh, is likely to grow as we see new uh, stats released uh, soon from them as well. So this is affecting thousands of families who are wondering where are they going to be able to go because they will not be able to find somewhere else to, to rent. And does this mean that they end up in homeless emergency accommodation? So this is not something you know small or trivial. I, th I think if the motion uh, passed as well to extend the eviction ban, that's not a binding motion, but that would actually put the government under very significant pressure uh, on this. If the majority of the doll says this is, eviction ban should be extended, it needs to be kept in place for more time, I do think that would put the government under pressure to change or reverse their decision on this. Do you accept that it will put you under that political pressure? Absolutely, I accept that a decision like that does does put pressure on, on government to But that's what deliver. I was asking you at the start. But the point I was making in terms of the policy or legislative effect, and as I've said already, others have already said online uh, only this evening that there's a vote on Wednesday to undo mm. uh, the government decision to allow the moratorium to lapse. But I think what's really, really important is what we have been doing for the last number of years and what we've done in the last couple of months in particular in terms of additional measures on top of um, housing for all, such as the acquisition of additional leases to support as many people as we possibly can uh, with uh, individuals coming out of uh, tenancies. At I'm the just minute. wondering if all of this has been done. Why are we? Why are we? Uh, why were we hearing an announcement around doing more and ramping all this up when the decision was made to lift the eviction so ban? The, the con so the, the, the eviction ban. So clearly, eviction while ban you say something. And, and thing, you know, efforts were being made, clearly not at the pace that they needed to be made within the six I, I months. I don't accept that the pace that, the, that, that we are not working at the pace that we have tried to achieve. That we, we have uh, endeavoured to increase housing uh, dramatically over the last number of years. So if you're you, trying, but you're you missing your targets. No, no, not at all. If you take the 2017 
figure of about 500 homes produced or uh, built in Ireland, and it's now up to 30,000 properties. We've produced well over 7,000, I believe, close to 8,000 social homes last year. Uh, and, these, and these obviously make a huge impact on the number of people on our housing list up and down the country. We have ramped up the emergency ho uh, housing There's accommodation. There's still those same people. The emergency that... accommodation um, uh, before Christmas for the There's... winter period, and f up to 1,500 additional right. uh, emergency accommodation uh, positions right across the state. And that, of course, well, is well, being let, funded well, by, by central government for local government to do. All right, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more of that sort of response um, during the week, Alison, I take it from government in their own counter motion on this. When it comes to where the rural independents are at, mm. and they're looking to get some amendments in exchange for their support of government, they're going with a list of demands, aren't they, to Dara yeah, O'Brien? Just, just to pick up on your point uh, to, to Alan there about, um, you know, ramping it up, I mean... I found it extraordinary to hear that a couple of weeks ago, Dara Bryan, the Minister for Housing, wrote to local authorities about the tenant purchase scheme and about, you know, extra money available um, and basically to, you know, get their arses in gear and do something about it. And that a significant number of those local authorities wrote back saying, we've reached our quota on social housing. And you just think, isn't that just extraordinary in, in the circumstances that we're in, in a housing crisis, and I have to wonder, why don't the government just name and shame who those local mm -hmm. authorities are and, and, uh, and let people know that that sort of an attitude is still going on? And yes, Sean Canney came out uh, this evening, um, the independent TD, uh, with a number of, uh, of amendments or demands. And as I, uh, texting somebody uh, earlier uh, in government, uh, they were saying to me none of them seemed outrageous uh, what, what was being asked for. So I think we could see a little bit of um, uh, movement what? in those things. Um, is it sort of around HAP scheme? It and, is. And I'm just, you know what, I'm going to consult. I'm that, going to consult that, my phone. Sort of it's what we're One hearing. of them is, for instance, remove barriers to older people in long-term nursing home care who wish to lease out their homes. Um, and it's also saying, now this already, for this one, for instance, you say the government has already indicated it's not that high a barrier. The introduction in the budget in, uh, in uh, next year's budget of a tax relief scheme to take effect in the current tax year for small small landlords. MM HAP to guarantee payment to landlords where the tenants defaults on payment of contribution to HAP. So there's a couple of things like that. Another interesting one: extend the rent a room relief scheme to people receiving social welfare payments yeah. who rent out but a room so that they, they don't lose their. Um, supplementary benefits, such as their medical card. So, so things like that. All right, and you'll have to see uh, in exchange for that particular list, will that, will that give them, uh, will that mean support from the rural independents and where it all goes from there? We're going to have to leave that there for now. Coming up after this break, uh, what next for banking following the Credit Suisse rescue? Do stay with us. Welcome back. Global stock market sank today after Swiss authorities arranged the takeover of troubled Credit Suisse amid fears of a global banking crisis. Well, my panel has stayed on with me. And joining us now via Skype is business editor of the Business Post, Lorcan Allen. Lorcan, you're very welcome along to the programme. Um, Credit Suisse and this uh, takeover, I think, which is akin to, say, by UBS, akin to the likes of Bank of Ireland buying out AIB. Um, did it come as much of a surprise to hear that coming from a Swiss bank, um, a Swiss bank that has been almost 200 years in operation? Well, it seems, uh, Claire, that this deal was actually done on Thursday, even before 
the um, as far back as Thursday night, it seems like the Swiss central banks saw what was happening to Credit Suisse. It had lost the confidence of its investors. Its share price was collapsing. Um, and the banks, central banks stumped in to give it 50 billion euros of emergency liquidity. But at that same meeting, apparently, it turned around to uh, UBS, the largest bank in Switzerland, and said, you guys have got to take over Credit Suisse by Sunday night before markets in Asia reopen. So um, certainly, I think it, it looks like lessons were learned from the last financial crisis, and they were trying to nip this one in the bud before it got really messy and, and caused a lot of contagion into other financial markets and banking sectors around the world. So, on light of that, how do you assess how markets responded to all of that today, um, which was a fairly dramatic weekend um, coming from the banks in Switzerland? Yeah, there's, it's been a really um, a lot of volatility in financial markets over the last two weeks, which started with Silicon Valley Bank when, when it collapsed, um, and which was primarily, uh, it was a run on the bank, depositor holders, tech companies that held their money with uh, Silicon Valley Bank lost confidence in the bank. They demanded their money back uh, over a very short period of time, and the bank just wasn't able to repay them, and the bank, uh, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Uh, within a very short period of time. And then after that happened, investors started looking around and saying, well, what other banks are, are vulnerable? And there's a host of other mid-tier banks in the US that are currently in trouble at the minute. But in Europe, the problems pitched up at uh, the door of Credit Suisse, which has been in turmoil for the last three years. So investor confidence um, really has been weak in that bank. And all it took was for the head of the Saudi National Bank to say, we're not going to put any more money into this bank if anything goes wrong. And then it just, people started to sell out of Credit Suisse and the share price collapsed. By the end of last week, its share price was down 99% from its all-time high. At one point, Credit Suisse was the eighth largest bank in the world. It finished its lifetime barely inside the top 200 banks in the world. So it's been a fairly dramatic collapse for it. I suppose the question is, Lorcan, um, you know, should we be worried, you know, in particular Irish banks, where do we stand? How resilient are we um, with all of this going on? Yeah, I mean... The volatility uh, caused by these jitters in the banking industry can be seen in the share prices of our main banks here, uh, Bank of Ireland, AIB and PTSB. Their share prices have been up and down a lot over the last two weeks in reaction to all that's been going on. But the bank's share price did rally back today, so which would suggest that there's strong investor confidence. Um, and if you were to ask the banks, they'll tell you that their liquidity and capital ratios are in really strong position and well above European averages. But Credit Suisse also had very strong capital and liquidity ratios that were on par with European averages. But the bank, that didn't prevent the bank from, you know, what happened to it because it lost the confidence of its investors and shareholders. So I think the warning here for any of those companies, for anyone in banking, is that if you lose the confidence of your your deposit holders, your, your customers or your investors, then no amount of liquidity measures is going to save you. And I, I think that's, I suppose, the key takeaway for, for our banks here in Ireland. Okay, Lorcan, thank you for that analysis. Thank you for joining us with that. Alison, 2008, of course, will spring to mind when we're talking about all of this and the fear of contagion. Um, we are in, in better shape now, would you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think for anyone who was around in 2008, there's that low-lying sense of sort of trauma, PTSD. But I think... Um, you know, everybody realises, as you just said, we're in a very different shape. But that doesn't mean there isn't worry. There is worry at every level from sort of the ECB down to our own government. We're in the economies in relatively good shape, as is unemployment. 
um, the ECB is trying to tread this fine line between saying nothing to see or everything is OK, but also we're here if, 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 if we're needed. So I think it's fingers and toes crossed that over the next week or two, there's nothing else in the undergrowth globally and that things will settle down and it'll be OK. But nobody knows. All right. OK. Uh, it's all about sentiment and, and confidence, consumer confidence, as you say. Uh, my thanks to Keen and to Alison and Alan. Unfortunately, we're out of time. That's it from all of us, from all the late team here. Good night. Take care. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 